Welcome to The Bridge Online. No matter where you're worshiping from, we are so glad to have you with us. This week, Pastor Doug has another message for us. So grab your Bibles and let's dive in. The title of my sermon this morning is We Need More of Jesus. Come on, I should get an amen just from that title. That's right. Is, I, I was struggling this week of a title and I was really, it was, it was kind of a struggle this week of, of preparing because I knew kind of in my heart, I knew as, we, as we're launching in to this time of prayer and fasting, I wanted to just kind of bring a message that would bring preparation and, and encouragement for that. And, and I knew that, but I didn't know exactly which direction to go. And I feel like Friday afternoon, Friday morning, man, the Lord just began to open some things up. And at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, what we need more of is Christ. Jesus Christ, him glorified. Jesus made this statement. He said, if I'll be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto myself. In other words, to me, when I read that, I feel like Jesus is saying, if, if, if you'll keep me at the center and you'll acknowledge me and you'll glorify me and you'll honor me as the son of God and the savior of the world, I'll take care of everything else. I'll take care of everything else. Amen? And I believe that. Let's, let's read Hebrews chapter 10. Starting at verse 19, if you'll follow along with me. Hebrews 10, starting at verse 19. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is his flesh, having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. Now, if, if we tried to take the work of Christ and the work of the cross and make it a very elementary concept, right? Because it is a deep concept. There's so much involved in what Christ did on the cross 2,000 years ago. But if you, if you want to try to make it elementary and say there's two main benefits of the cross of Jesus Christ, the shedding of blood. Number one is, of course, the forgiveness of sins. Christ came to break the power and dominion that sin had over man's life. He, Jesus came to bring salvation. Amen? And we know that. And that is a wonderful and glorious benefit of the cross of Jesus Christ. But the second benefit is Christ came and through the cross, he has restored fellowship with God. And, and sometimes we neglect this one, I think. We, we all know today that Christ is the savior of the world. Jesus came to bring salvation. Jesus came so I can be in heaven. Jesus came so I could have eternal life. Jesus came so my sins could be forgiven. The second benefit, though, is so often neglected. It's the fact that through Christ, we have restored fellowship with the Father. Through the cross of Christ, the fellowship that was broken by our sin has been restored. God himself, in the form of his son, Christ, coming, representing God the Father and God the Holy Spirit, he came, as the scripture said, he was the fullness of the Godhead. That in Christ, we, in, when we see Christ in the scripture, we see the fullness of God. And Christ came to himself restore this fellowship that the Father so loved and so desired to have back again after Adam and Eve fell in the garden and sin entered into the DNA of man. The scripture tells us that Christ tore down the wall 
or the veil that is torn in two by, the, by his grace. In other words, it was something that he alone did for us. And we just read that. It says the, the veil was torn in two. And so for some of you may not understand fully what that means, but in the Old Testament, God created a system where, whereby he, it was all a type, folks. It was a, it was a foreshadowing of Christ to come. But in the Old Testament, he gave Moses a plan, and he, of course, he gave him the plan for the tabernacle. And within those plans, there was a place called the holy place, and then there was the holiest of holies. And, and those two places were separated by a veil, a large, thick veil. And the holiest of holies was to represent where the presence of God was. And, and, and as it was in the Old Testament, no one could enter there. there. In fact, only once a year could the high priest enter into the holy of holies to offer a sacrifice. And I want you to think of this, folks, for, because this was, God, God brought this as a type to the world, as, a, as, a, as an image of what was going to come. But imagine if you were alive during that season, and, and, and this is the system, and you have this whole sacrificial system where you have to bring a sacrifice for your sins. You had to sacrifice for your own sins. And, and you would bring this to the priest and, and, and you would sit there and in your heart, could you imagine the folks that there was an inner longing because folks, you and I were made with an inner longing to fellowship with God. The Bible says we were created in his image. Every single man and woman that exists on earth has within them the DNA of God. There, there is an inner part of us that we're designed. We were created to worship God. And yet, here is this system where, where God is there, but he's, he's an, see it this way, he's an arm length away. You know, he's just out of reach. He's, I know he's in there. I know, I know he's behind that veil. I, I know that he is. And I know that if I could just get to him, he, he could help my family. He could help my marriage. He, he could help my children. He could help. He could fulfill this inner longing that, that is inside of me that desires to worship him. But I can't go in there. You see, God was showing humanity that because of their sinfulness, there is no way to have fellowship with him. You understand? That's, that was the whole image. What, it was such a sad story. But God was revealing to man their sinfulness separates them from God. And, and, and he said, I'm so other than you. I'm so holy. I'm so beyond you. I cannot come in contact with your sin. And so no one dared go into that, into that veil. No one dared to cross that line. And they knew that if they did, they would be struck instantly dead. In fact, there were there stories of that happening in the Old Testament scripture. And so here's this, here this is this people that are left. They, they have an inner longing like you have today. I want to know God. I, I, I want to serve him. I, I want to know his will. I want to know his heart. I want to hear his voice. But, but this veil's there, you know, this, this big dark veil that's keeping them from entering into that place. But the Bible says that Jesus Christ came and he tore that veil in two. He broke the wall down and he made a way now for you and I to have access in to the throne room of the Father in the presence of God where we can come boldly. We don't deserve to be there, but because of what Christ Jesus has done, fellowship with the Father has been restored. Somebody should praise God. And so the scripture, the author of Hebrews says, because of this, because this barrier is down, let us draw near to God. That's, that's, that's the age in which you and I are living. That's the dispensation to every man, woman, and child. You don't have to be a theologian. You, you, you didn't have to go to Bible school. You didn't have to go to seminary. You don't have to have training. God, through Christ, did the work for you. 
Jesus did the work. Jesus accomplished it on the cross. And now the appeal from the scripture is come. Come to me. Draw near to me. Let us hold fast to this promise. All of this today, folks, is the result of the finished work of Jesus Christ. Now you see this as a type in the Old Testament, all throughout the Old Testament, not just in the tabernacle and and then ultimately in the temple, but in one of the great Bible stories in the Old Testament, the book of Exodus, the children of Israel. You remember when the children of Israel are in bondage and and they're in literal, literal slavery and that slavery for us represents our sin, the bondage of sin. You know, they just have no ability, no power to overcome it. And, and you see the people, they start to cry out and say, you know, folks, that's where maybe some of you even in this room are. You know, you're just, you're just bound by your sin. You, you, you look, you, you have this desire to do better, but you know you can't. You know, maybe you've already started. You, you started out January 1st and you thought, well, this year I'm going to be better. I'm going to drink less. I'm not going to be rude to my wife. I'm going I'm to work hard. I'm going to do better. And probably by now you've already failed. That's the reality. That's human nature. You, you and I can try as hard as we want, but, but there's a fallen DNA. There's a fallen sin nature in us, right? And so that was represented with the children of Israel in bondage, but there's a cry that starts to come out of their heart. Oh, God, God, deliver us out of slavery. Deliver us out of this bondage. Maybe this morning, if that's your cry, if there's an inner cry in your heart today, I'm here to tell you that Jesus will hear that cry if you will surrender to him and turn your heart to him and accept him as your personal Lord and Savior. He will forgive you of your sins, set you free from bondage, and give you a brand new life, give you access with the Father. And so that's all a picture in the Old Testament story of the children of Israel. A cry goes up before God, and God says, I'll send a deliverer. And he sends Moses. And Moses, of course, is a type of Christ. And he goes into Pharaoh, let my people go. You know the story. They're brought out of that slavery. They come to the Red Sea. The Red Sea is parted miraculously for them, right? And here's the image. They they cross over to the other side of the Red Sea. The Red Sea swallows up the Egyptian army. And, and, and here are the people of God standing on the other side of the Red Sea. They watch as their enemies are being destroyed. Thanks be to God. It is the picture of you and I today when we accept Christ and we look back and we look back at our past and our sin and all the things that bound us and see it all washed in the blood of Christ, all washed away, all forgiven, no more enemies. Listen, thanks be to God that he sets us free from our past. It's all, it's all washed in the sea of forgetfulness, the scripture says. But, but here's, here's the thing. The story doesn't end there. If you read the story in the Old Testament, it doesn't end there. Why doesn't it end there? Because yes, one of the phenomenal great benefits of the cross is our forgiveness. But remember, the second great benefit is the restored fellowship. Because here's what God does with the children of Israel. He doesn't say, okay, I've delivered you from Pharaoh. I've destroyed your enemies. You're on the right side of the Red Sea. Now camp here and stay here. And then just enjoy what I've already done. Think of it. And, and, and folks, that's what so many of us end up doing. We, we, we send in the app. I'm forgiven. And thanks God. I got put my faith in Christ. I got the one-way ticket to heaven. Everything's wonderful. But that's not the full plan of God for your life. So, so God brought this. Is, think of this. God brings them out to bring them in. God brings them out of bondage. God brought you out of the bondage of sin 
to bring you in to the fullness of God. He wants to bring you in to what in the Old Testament is called the promised land. He wants to bring you in to the provision of God. You see, God wanted to show them, I'm a father to you. I want to be the one that meets every need that you have. And so you have this whole story, this amazing story of God literally providing food from heaven. He, he provides water out of a rock. He, he provides them the best pair of Nikes that ever have ever been made. Shoes that never wear out. They were, they were Nike sandals, actually. They were. But, but what is all that there? Why, why, why does the scripture talk to us about shoes that, that last for 40 years? Why does, he, why does it show us God literally feeding two, two million people? Why, why does he literally, like literally pouring water out of a rock? What does God show? He said, I want the people. I want humanity to see me. I want them to know who I am. I'm a father to them. I created them for, for, the glory, for my glory and for my fellowship. I created them because, because I want them to choose to, to look to me and, 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 and trust me and see me as a father. And I, I want to show them my love and in turn I want them to love me. And it was all an image. But the problem with all of that for the Old Testament saints was they still had a sin problem. Right? You, you, you read the whole story of the exodus and of course the 40-year journey and all the stuff that God reveals to them through that process but all the while they have a sin problem but thanks be to God today we can have the pure relationship with the father because of what Christ has done because Christ dealt with the sin problem Christ addressed it he took care of it right and so the author is saying to us this morning in Hebrews man because draw closer now to God Go, he brought you out, now go in. Go in deeper. That's my, that's my message for you this morning in 2023. Go deeper with God this year than you've ever gone. Get closer to Christ than you ever have. The door is open for you. It doesn't matter who you are. Oh, pastor, you don't know. You, you, you don't know what I did. You, you don't know my sin. You, you, if you knew my story, you wouldn't be saying that. Oh, no, friend, that, the Bible is clear. That, that your sin is not too great. You're, there is no depth too low. There is no sin too far. There's no one that's gone too far beyond the reach of God's grace and God's mercy and God's love. And, and today, the doorway for you is open, but you have to go through Christ. Jesus made it very clear, if you'll ask, if you'll seek, if you'll knock, if you'll pursue, I'll be there. Now, folks, this relationship that I'm talking about, this, this drawing near, this coming closer to God, someone said, well, how, how do you do this? What do you, what do you mean? It is enhanced through prayer. The, 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 the way God has designed for it to take place is through prayer. The, the one great way to draw closer to God, to, to access what was done on the cross for you, and to appropriate it, to make it real, is prayer. You and I have the ability today to pray to God. We have the promise that we can pray to God, that we can talk to him, and he'll listen. Now, it's very important. You have to understand this, because this promise of prayer and answered prayer is not given to everyone. That's the reality. 
It is not given to everyone. It is given to those who are in a relationship with God. And the only way you can be in a relationship with God is through faith in his son, Jesus Christ. You got to understand that. You say, well, are you telling me that sinners can't pray? You can pray, but there is no promise that God is going to answer or that God is going to move on your behalf. That's the reality. The promise of answered prayer is only given to the children of God made so by faith in Christ. Think, think, of the, think of the indignity of it. Think of the shame and the injustice of it this morning. If Christ came to the earth, was spit upon, had his beard plucked, gave his life on the cross and, and to pave the way or the doorway into the Father, and there's another way to pray? Oh, I don't have to go through Christ. I, God hears my heart because I'm a good person. What? Think of the injustice of it. Christ sent his son to be brutalized on the earth? And you're the one that you don't have to go through that relationship? You don't have to go through that door? What arrogance. What pride. No, friend, make, it, make no mistake. The only way you have a promise of answered prayer is through Christ. And that's the first step. If you're listening online, if you're here in this room, and you do not have a living relationship, a faith relationship with Christ, where you've come to the place of acknowledging your sin, and asking for forgiveness of your sin, and turning away from your sin, and choosing to follow Christ as the Lord of your life, if you have not done that personally, you have no promise of answered prayer. You have no access to the Father. You're no different than the Old Testament saints. There's still an inner longing. There's still a desire, but you just can't get there. Why? Because your sin separates you from God. Your sin separates you from God. But thanks be to God, Jesus has come to deal with it. Why would you stay on the other side of the veil when it's been torn down? You can come through Christ. For those of us that have, we have to quit neglecting this, this glorious benefit that you and I can have fellowship and communion with God. One of the greatest privileges of being called a son and daughter of God. One of the greatest privileges is for you and I that we can pray. We can pray by faith. We can pray in the name of Jesus. We can pray to a father who wants to hear us, who, who did so much to restore this whole relationship. Think about that for a moment. God, all of this, all of what Christ has done, all of the work of Christ was so that this relationship could be restored. We see this in a very dramatic way from the teaching of Jesus. I want you to go to John chapter 6. And I want to encourage you, if you're taking notes, read the entire chapter. We're going to read a lot this morning because I struggled with this. I thought, well, I don't care. How many of you know the life is in the word of God? It's not in the preacher. He can get excited and he can stir your emotions. But, but God's word is what speaks. God's word is where life is. So we're going to read a lot this morning, but I want to encourage you, read the entire chapter. But, but Jesus speaks about this in a really poetic, dramatic, what I would say is a very cool way, okay? Think of what we've just talked about, and now I want you to listen to the words of Jesus in John chapter 6, and we'll just start at verse 28. They said to him, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? Now, 
in one way, there's Pharisees here, there's Sadducees, there's religious people, and then there's your common folk. And in, in many ways, what they're asking is, how do we walk with God? How do, how do, what, what are you saying is the way to God? What are you saying, how do we, how do we serve God, if, I, if you would? That's really the essence of the question. Jesus answers and said to them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. Therefore, they said to him, what sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe you and what work will you do? Isn't that so much like many of us even today? In other words, you hear a verse like this. He said, well, I'll, I'll serve God when he gives me a sign from heaven. He gave you a great big sign from heaven 2,000 years ago. It was his son coming to the earth to save you. You don't need any more signs. The signs are clear. They're evident. Then they say, our fathers ate the manna in the desert, and as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. He's referring to himself. And they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Skip to the 48th verse. Jesus again says these words, I am the bread of life. Your, your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore quarreled among themselves saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Which by the way was an abominable sin. You know, they're thinking only in natural terms. They think this lunatic is telling them that they have to eat his blood and, and, or drink his blood and eat his flesh. And they think, this is a, what an abomination. We're Jews. This is, this is a mockery. Of course, Jesus is speaking about a spiritual concept. Verse 53, then Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up at the last day for my flesh is food indeed and my blood is drink indeed he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him as the living father sent me I live because of the father so he who feeds on me listen to this so he who feeds on me will live because of me this is the bread which came down from heaven not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead he who eats this bread will live forever Jesus is teaching this right after his miracle of multiplying the fishes and loaves. So, so everyone there has bread on the mind. Like it's amazing when you consider it. Like, like he uses this opportunity because they're still thinking about, I'm following this guy because if I keep following this guy, I don't have to spend any money on food. Right? This is the guy. He's going to cut my grocery bill down to nothing. 
And so they have bread on the mind. And so Jesus uses that opportunity to teach this powerful point, this powerful lesson, which is, I am the one that sustains your life. I have come to give you life and I have come to sustain your life. He points out that there are really two kinds of food. There is the food for the body and there is the food for the soul, the food for the spirit. There are two types of food, folks. And I know that we're getting ready to go into three days of fasting where we refrain from food. And here's the whole reason. We're saying to God, the inner food, the inner man needs to be fed. We, we, we always take care of the outer man. We always make sure we eat. We always make sure we're feeding the flesh. And you should, right? It's natural. And there's, nothing, there's no wrong in it. But here's the reality. When you fast, you say, yes, but it's more important that my spirit man be fed. It's, it's more important that inside is healthy than outside. It's, it's more important that, that what I'm feeding my spirit and my soul than anything that I put in my own body. Jesus is teaching that this food for the inner man, it's not just food, but it's actually life. Jesus comes, of course, and gives eternal life, but he also gives sustaining life. It it reminds me of what Isaiah said in Isaiah 55, verse 2. The prophet declares, why are you spending money for that which is not bread and your wages for that which does not satisfy? Don't you, doesn't that feel like a cry that's still coming from heaven today? From God saying to people, why are you wasting your time and your money and your effort on all of these things and they don't fulfill you? You're you're pursuing relationships and you're pursuing career and money and whatever it might be. In and of themselves, they may not even be sinful, but you're pursuing these things and at the end of it all, they leave you dry. Why why don't you pursue the things that fulfill you on the inside? Folks, listen, when you get the inside right, the outside has to follow. When, 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 When you get the spirit man right, when you're vibrant and alive spiritually, when your spirit man is alive and strong, the out man will follow, has to. And yet, think of what we do in our society. We spend millions upon millions of dollars, countless hours on focusing on the externals. And the prophet thousands of years ago said to them, why are you spending all your money on things that are not bread? In other words, that they won't, it won't sustain you. Well, why, why are you giving yourself for things that are not going to satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and let your soul delight in its abundance. What a verse of scripture. By the way, Jesus comes on the scene in his ministry and said, I've come to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. But the only way you can experience the abundant life is feasting on Christ. There's no other way. There are no other steps. There is no other plan. Let no one deceive you. The only way that you can experience the abundant life is by feasting on Jesus. He makes it crystal clear. Not devotions. Like, I mean, just there's a lot of stuff that gets in the way that are good in and of themselves. But folks, at some point, you and I got to be eating the flesh and drinking the blood. Now, what's amazing is this, this because the way Jesus uses his words and saying eating flesh, that's just like it's offensive. And so do you know that this sermon, like today, 
for most of us, we're, we're trying to preach and, and, and be on the real and get it and have it go viral and insta whatever go and all this and listen to me and look at this, what I just said. How cool was that? Did you hear what so-and-so said? Ooh, look at that. Jesus preaches this message. He has thousands of people in the audience. And a successful Jesus message turns most of them away. It, 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 goes, it, it goes on right here. And it says that after that message, this is what they say. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a hard saying. Who can understand it? And then it says that they basically, they went another direction. Like, this man's crazy. All I wanted was a, I wanted a free meal. And that's how many people view Christ in religion. I just want to free, I just, I just want to be healed when I'm sick. I just want to be, I want happiness when I want it. I just want, I want to be able to call upon God and answer my prayers as I need it. I want a free lunch. You're talking to me about eating your flesh, drinking your blood. What's wrong with you? Of course, all of this is Jesus is saying, you have to maintain a relationship with me. I'm the one that gives you life, and then I'm the one that sustains your life. Do you see it? That's, that's what he said. They didn't understand that because that's not what they were after. And unfortunately, this sermon couldn't be preached in many churches in America because a lot of our churches are full of it. They're not really after more of Jesus, right? Like, come on. They want, they want, they want a lot of other things. But, but at some point, the American church is going to wake up and recognize that stuff has left us empty. Like you would think somebody would now. Pastors leaving the pastorate in the droves, 1,500 pastors a month, leaving the pastorate. Got a call this week, two pastors that I know within the region. You don't know them. It's not local. Don't try to. But that said, I'm done. I'm quitting. I'm finished. They have what, what, what used to be very good churches. People coming in. Listen to this. I tell these stories because... You better not do this. <laughs> God is my witness. Pastor, pastoring a church, trying to do the right thing during COVID, lets his staff, has some staff members, lets his staff stay home like others did. Still not, still not in, the, in the building. Decides this year, 20, like it's time. We, you need to come back in the office. One of the staff members goes to an to a old dirty deacon, cries to the deacon, we shouldn't have to go back to the office. Christ, the deacon backs him, and they all rise up against the pastor. God forbid. God forbid. That's what's happening. That's what's happening while the transgenders are going into the classroom teaching your children. And the church is playing games in the house. Come on, somebody, say amen and give God praise. That's the truth. You, we're, we're arguing over carpet and should I come in from three years of COVID and the devil is stealing and destroying and killing right in your face on your watch, not yours, theirs. Folks, that, listen to me, I bring that up because of this. That is happening widely in churches in America. You know it? It's happening all over. And then we wonder, why is society crumbling? Folks, God has created the church to, to, be, to be the foundation of society, right? The church protects 
the, the, the image of family. God creates family. He says to the church, express it properly, share it with the world. This is the way. This is what family looks like. And, then, and, that, and that concept goes on. That's what the church does. The, the church is the pillar and ground of truth. And you look at our society today, and, and we're arguing about what a woman is. Whose fault is that? You keep saying it's the Democrats' fault. I'm telling you, it's the Church of Jesus Christ's fault. It's happening on your watch. Middle class, Midwestern, white Jesus follower. I thought, I just offended everybody in the whole building. (laughs) It's happening on our watch. The Bible tells us that we have power with God, that God hears our prayers, that God will heal our land, that if we come into the presence of God and seek him, he'll give us victory. He'll help us to be a witness. He'll make us salt and light. He'll give us influence with people around us. Now, either God's a liar or you and I are liars, and we're not following the the prescription, and we're not praying, and we're not seeking God. I want to suggest to you God never lies. He is not a man that he can lie. Today, the reality is we are neglecting one of the glorious benefits that Jesus Christ has provided and that is living daily fellowship with Christ feasting on his blood feasting on his flesh feasting in his presence going before Christ daily asking for the daily bread of that day Jesus help me today give me the strength I need help me to minister to the people around me help me to see the poor help me to see those that are needy help me to be your hands and feet extended because if we'll pray that God's promises he'll do it give him praise Jesus is teaching that as as the living bread from heaven, which is who he is, he is our source. And and notice he says, the the person who abides in me and who feeds on me. Do you see it in the 57th verse? Because some would argue and say, Pastor, you're taking this out of context. Jesus is only referring to that one first benefit, that Christ is eternal life, and you have to go through Christ. And that's true. But this is clearly, Jesus is speaking about an ongoing communion, an ongoing feasting. In fact, he says it in the 57th verse. So he who feeds, feeds on me, looks to me daily, comes to me often, sees me as the source of life, sees me as their source of peace, pursues me as their source of wisdom, just like man. And now here's here's the reason I know that I'm preaching to you right because he uses the analogy of manna. And, and if you know the Old Testament story, manna came from heaven, but there was always only enough for that particular day. And they were instructed, you know the story, the children of Israel were instructed, only take enough manna for this day. That's why Jesus then, t- when the disciples ask, how should I pray? He says, t- give me this day my daily bread. Why? You need bread for today. It's unique. You don't know what the challenges are for today. You don't know what things you're going to be faced with. So he says, get up every day and ask me for your bread for today. And then guess what you got to do? You can't eat. You can't get up tomorrow and say, hmm, man, that bread you gave me yesterday was great. And I got some leftovers. I'm just going to eat the leftovers today. No. No, get up the next day because I have bread for you this day as well. And I have bread for you the next day and the next day and the next day. Are you with me? And so he uses this analogy. You see, the rabbis were teaching that when Messiah comes, he will duplicate 
the miracle of manna. That's why this, it's all the context of this whole teaching. And, and so, so they're thinking like literal heaven coming down from heaven, right? And Jesus is like, he is, you're right. He's gonna, he's, he's giving a brand new manna, a daily source of life and provision and hope and peace. And it's found in Christ. And so folks, the reality is this morning as they get ready to come, come on. You and I experience spiritual hunger and drought when Christ is no longer at the center of all we do. If, if you feel like you're entering into this new year spiritually dead or spiritually dry, let me point you to Jesus. Quit, quit, quit making, well, I, yeah, but I, no, no, no. Quit making excuses. Quit, I'm talking about literally making time to fellowship through prayer with Jesus. Because the reality is, you and I, folks, when we don't preach about Jesus and we don't sing about Jesus and we don't talk about Jesus, we, we get dry. But here's the truth. You cannot be in continual communion with Christ and still be hungry for something else. Charlotte and I, the other day, we, we went out with a couple and it was just a, an enjoyable time and somebody we respect and we went to a nice restaurant. Um, and I won't share what it is because then I'll have to promote all the restaurants in the area. But it was a great restaurant with a great steak. How many of you know when you sit down and you have a real, like a legit steak? It's satisfying, doesn't it? Like you're leaving feeling good. You don't want to, like, the th- like, let's leave and let's go to White Castle. <laughs> you, nobody does that. Nobody does that. If you do... You have a gluttony issue, and we'll pray for you tomorrow during prayer and fasting. You don't, right? You're satisfied. Your meal has satisfied you. And the idea of going to an inferior place is like, I would never do that. That's how it is with Christ. When, when you and I are feasting on Jesus, nothing else satisfies. There's like, you don't hunger for anything else. You're not dry. You're not unsatisfied. You're not bored. You're never bored with Jesus. When, when Christians all, you know, and they just act, they're bored. I know that. I've heard that. And they start complaining. That's what happens in the church, folks. That's why I brought that point up. What happened? They, clearly, there are churches, they're just bored with Jesus. So all they got to do now is bicker and fight among themselves. You cannot tell me that if Christ is in the midst of their assemblies where Jesus, the glorified Christ, the presence of the living God, and you've been in his presence in the morning and then you come in an assembly and you know his presence is there. You, you, there might be things that you look around that you don't agree with or you don't like, but you're like, oh, I don't even care anymore. Jesus is here. Lord, fill me, fill up my well, pour your spirit into me, strengthen me, help me, right? You don't care anymore. You're, you're satisfied, you're, you're sustained. But when that's lacking, holy mackerel, Jesus made it clear, you're gonna be offended all the time. There's a thousand things to offend you. Oh, now they're making us put lids on coffee. What socialists they are, communist. Church I went to before, they didn't make you do that. 
get to Jesus. Please, get to Jesus. You'll forget all about the lid. You'll forget all about the coffee. You'll forget all about it. You'll be lost in the... Listen, that is what I want for this year, for our groups, for our families, for our church gatherings, for everything. I want to get so lost in Jesus, so lost in his presence, so strengthened by who he is that all of the offense just begins to fall and the only thing that can flow out of me is worship and praise and adoration because that's what he deserves. Praise, let's stand. More of Jesus. More talk about Jesus. Someone's talking to you, they're trying to get wisdom. Lead them to Jesus. You're talking to someone this week. Talk to them about Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, Savior of the world, the one who, by his name, you can be saved. By his name, demons have to flee. Why are we talking about anything else? His name causes demons to flee. His, his name and his name, you and I have been given authority to cast out devils, to pray for the sick and then be healed, to overcome every power and principality. Through his name, we can speak to whatever mountain it is that is keeping us from the will of God and say, be thou removed and be cast into the sea. No other name. There's no other name. It's the name of Jesus. God, help us. Man, please, are you with me in 23? We're going to have more of Jesus in our families, in our church, in our worship, in everything we do. Bow your head and close your eyes, please.
got our hands up. No one's looking. Come on, if you got your hands up, just begin to pray. Talk to him. He made the way for you to talk to him. He, he wants to hear it from your, with your language, with your words. And you're just simply saying, Jesus, I've sinned. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Your blood is sufficient. You came to deal with my sin problem. Please come. I ask you to forgive me. Help me to turn away from and I choose to follow you. I choose for you to be my Lord and Savior. You are the Son of God. There is no other way to salvation. Tell him. Tell him from your heart. And in the moment you do, the Bible says you are forgiven because he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sin. Glory to God. And if you've done that this morning, those of you that had your hands raised, heaven is rejoicing and this congregation rejoices with them. have some work to do, don't we? Because I want to be more hungry for Jesus this year than I've ever been. So find a place to pray here at your seat with your hands lifted, however you're comfortable. But please, please don't listen to this sermon and then just all oh, blow it all. No, no. Take the next three minutes. We're just going to and call upon the Lord. Ask him to, sh to stir your heart. Ask him to more hunger. I need you. I want to feast on you this year, Jesus. Come on, everybody in the building. We hope you enjoyed today's message. If you did, make sure you like and share on social media to help spread God's word. If you'd like to learn more about The Bridge or if you'd like to give, you can go to our website at thebridge129.org. Again, thanks so much for tuning in and we'll see you next time.